Welcome back to Around the 412. We are part of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Tyler, and with me as always is Smitty. You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if it's because we come out on Mondays, but I am very tired this weekend. Just just throwing that out there right out the gate. Mm, are you making an excuse if there's a lack of energy in the episode or what? What's your no, I, I think the episode's still going to be great. I'm just saying <laughs> physically this weekend has drained me out. I'm not sure why. And I, I think maybe just us, we're the Monday show. Mondays always have that feeling. So maybe that's why I feel like that. But no, I'm still amped up about the show. Yeah, you're wearing a Penguins shirt. I'm wearing a Penguins jersey. I think they might be feeling the same way as you after back-to-back Saturday and Sunday with weird start times in both of them. 3 o'clock Eastern Saturday, 6 o'clock Eastern on Sunday. They get four points in those games, winning both of them. Very different types of feels, but at the same Saturday especially felt like a playoff game. Tristan Jari stood yeah, on his head. for sure. Um, but we're going to talk about those performances a little bit more. First piece of business to take care of. We got to give away this Sidney Crosby jersey that I've been hanging on to for a while. Mentioned it last week that we were going to be giving it away. How about this, though? I went back to pick a comment out. 66 comments for an 87 jersey. Is there anything more perfect than that? It's poetry. It writes itself. <laughs> that, that's, just, that's just Pittsburgh poetry right there. Yeah, uh, so I landed on the comment. I just closed my eyes with scrolling through the comments. Landed on Drew Palmer. Uh, he gave us an 87, which is the code. That's what you had to put in here to win. He threw in a, a penguin emoji, though, as well, which is a nice touch. So, Drew, you are the winner of the jersey. Reach out to us, and I will get that shipped out to you. That's the first piece of business. Uh, as always, we only got two questions this week, so we're going to answer those. But what I want to say is, guys, girls, literally any way that you want to get questions to the show, this is your best way to get involved with the show you can put them in the youtube comments of the current video for the following week you can tweet them at us you can dm us whatever our email doesn't matter however you can get these questions to us we appreciate them they consume that this first portion of the show here so let's get right down to business uh, the washington wild things want to know which celebrities slash athletes would we like to see in the three rivers celebrity softball game uh well first off if doran dickerson is listening to this He's the one that helps put this event together for the Cam Hayward Hayward House Foundation. Um, Zachary Smith and Tyler Weeks, those are my first two nominations to play in this game. Now, those are pretty good ones. <laughs> I was jealous of seeing uh, Morgan from the Ginshers last year. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, Joe, Joey Molinero balled out. Uh, that that video is hilarious, though, because I don't think that the first time I saw it, the home run that he hit, I don't think I had the audio on. And before he even makes contact, you just hear in the background, see ya. <laughs> like, so um, gone forever. Yeah, but I'm sitting here. I'm th- they, they did a good job with it, I think, last year. So, like, I'm trying to think of different people that we could see. I mean, obviously, like, like Tone Diggs was there on to represent Pat McAfee's show. But if Pat McAfee himself were to be there, I think that would be a great get. But I don't know that there's anybody that has a more rigorous schedule right now, especially with him doing SmackDown, too. Um, I don't know what his summer looks like, though. But that would be a fantastic get for them. Um, you know what? I have a couple in mind. I'm I, the a, one, another one that I thought of though, and I think you'll like this one. All right, Christian Pulisic. That would be fantastic. Not exactly <laughs> Berg related. He's more of the Harrisburg location. Yeah, but we yeah. still claim him as a Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania, excuse me, mm-hmm. native. That would be great. Get him over from. He, he, that is the off season for the Premier League, so that could work out. Um, couple that I thought of for Team World, 
you mentioned Pat Ma- or Tone Diggs, Pat McAfee. They have yeah. busy schedules. Well, I'm nominating Tom Holland and Zendaya for Team World because I think that they're just the power couple and on top of everything in the world right now, they would be in a massive get uh, for good this. Good luck, Doran. Yeah. This massive get <laughs> out of the gate. I mean, so many tickets would be sold. And then on Pittsburgh side, I have three. Wiz Khalifa oh, for the yeah, Pittsburgh wow. music aspect. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to nominate Michael Keaton, but he has to dress like Batman the whole time. And then I want Jeff Goldblum, except I don't want him to play. I want to him to be the announcer during the game mm. because of his voice. Mm. Okay. So those are, those hey, what are about my suggestions, like a, nominations. What about like a you know? Steelers super fan like Brett Michaels or uh, Joe Manganiello? Was Joe Manganiello not in it last year? Ooh, I, I, I could have rem- swore that he was, but maybe he wasn't. I don't remember seeing him actually at the game. Maybe he helped promote it. I don't remember seeing him. It's a game. All right, that, uh, that's another good one. That's another good one. Yeah. Um, I feel like okay. I'll put this out there. I'm not gonna say a specific person. I think there needs to be more representation on behalf of the Penguins and/or Pirates as well. <laughs> yeah, especially because it's baseball. <laughs> yeah, or softball, you know. So, um, Doran, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you took part in putting this hey, tweet out to Barry us, Bonds. Let's get him to play. Oh, God. Jim <laughs> Barry, Leland is the manager. Barry Bonds would be a great attraction. What'd you Jim say? Leland is the, Jim Leland is Jim the manager. Jim Leland is the manager. There you go. And bring back Andy Van Slyke and him and Bonds can fight each other. <laughs> hey, whatever make it the most that are, I think that they would sell some tickets. That's all I'm saying. So, and that's the goal of this thing to raise a bunch of money for a great cause. So there you go. Um, but definitely those first two, Zachary Smith and Tyler Weeks, I would be reaching out to them. I have a good feeling that they'd have a a positive answer for you guys. I don't see them shutting you down. So, uh, but the second question, let's just keep talking about. We don't talk about the pirates much. These other questions, yeah. uh, or other question, is pirates related? Our friend Sarge, good friend Sarge, comes to us and says, "Had the pirates won a World Series in that short window that they did have, where they were making the playoffs three consecutive seasons?" Do we think that Andrew McCutcheon would be viewed on like the same level as Sidney Crosby and Ben Roethlisberger in the Pittsburgh world? Um, I'll answer this first. And I I think that regardless, the thing that separates Crosby and Ben would be the longevity of them spending their entire careers with the team. And regardless of had the Pirates won a World Series in there, I don't think that that changes Andrew McCutcheon not spending his entire career in Pittsburgh. Right. However, I, I do think that it would have changed like outside perception because people in Pittsburgh, like, I don't know that they could love Andrew McCutcheon more than they do, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have changed outside perception even more so. I mean, the dude did win an MVP here, but it would have been like, wow, he really brought a World Series to Pittsburgh. No one thought that that would be possible. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like, I don't know how much more this fan base could have embraced him it would be interesting to see if there was another level to that had they won. Um, All I know is like one championship for the pirates would have meant as much, if not more than multiple for those other two teams. Yeah. I was going to say, it's tough to really compare Andrew McCutcheon and Ben Roethlisberger and Cindy Crosby as players themselves. But when you start to bring in everything else, because as players itself, it's not fair because I don't really think Kutch is that close to being considered the greatest pirate of all time. 
However, Ben Roethlisberger, there's many people you could argue he's the greatest stealer of all time. And Sidney Crosby, you could say the same thing, like penguin wise. It's it's like him and Mario Lemieux and Crosby, unlike the others, he's in the top five of his sport all time. But whenever you talk about Pittsburgh fans, like would he be in that same level when he brings in a championship? I think the thing that sets apart Kutch already is I think he's kind of around that area without even winning a championship just because he brought them to the playoffs. And then if he won a championship with the Pirates, I think that that, like you said, that is so much more impressive and I think much harder to do than winning a championship with either of the other teams. And so I think for sure he would be looked at with Sidney Crosby and Ben Roethlisberger, even if he only won one. It doesn't matter how many of the other ones win. It's the fact that he got them there and he and he won the championship with that team and how hard that could be. And I think that that would probably be looked at not just in Pittsburgh, but like you were saying, outside of Pittsburgh as one of the, like the all-time great moments in Pittsburgh history. Because, I mean, honestly, you, you were there the night they even made the playoffs after that losing streak. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. one of the best moments in Pirates history, probably, even though they've yeah. won five championships. It's just they haven't won since 1979. And that was the first like real raw emotional moment for Pirates fans in such a long time. I think if you add a championship to that, I don't even think it's close. Yeah, I think what it comes down to, and we got to wrap this up and then we got to transition, but like, I think you mentioned like not being the best. It's like for the Steelers, there's Joe Green. And then after that, it becomes a conversation that Ben Roethlisberger is probably in for the second best Steeler of all time. For the Penguins, it's Lemieux at the top and then Sid second. For the Pirates, Andrew McCutcheon's not like in that upper echelon in terms of their how great they were for the franchise. However, they win a World Series in that three-year window that we're talking about. Maybe not like amongst the best Pirates of all time, but I think that you can make a case for like one of the more important Pirates of all time for bringing the championship here. Yeah, and that's I, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, just one thing to talk about really with the Steelers, and it's going to be a very brief topic. And then we're going to transition and talk about the Pens. to be a pretty Pens-heavy back end of the show here uh, with their recent stretch. Still not really getting any secondary scoring. Trade deadline coming up. An injury to talk about. It's the Penguins. Of course there is. Uh, so we will be back. This is Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Two around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. We are your future participants in the celebrity softball game, Smitty and Tyler Weeks of Around the 412. Uh, let's talk about the Steelers very briefly because this is something that I, I, I don't know why it's such an important thing, why it is a headline, why it is a topic, but Kevin Colbert is assisting in finding the next GM in line with him stepping away from that role. And that's apparently like a talking point for some people. And I'm not sure why, like, first off, to me, it's a good thing. This is the guy that's taking, stepping into his role. Why would you not want the current guy to help find the guy that is replacing him essentially? Um, So I I don't think that that's like a big deal to you. I I don't know how that's news. If that could never be in a headline, and I would assume that that was already taking place. That just seems like a normal thing to do for an organization. That like it's it, it would be different if like one GM was fired, obviously, but like with one retiring, 
why wouldn't he be in the conversation of who's going to take my place? Like he knows yeah. the organization. Kevin Colbert has been here a long time. I don't know why he would not have a hand in on it. Like he, he knows the organization. It just seems odd that that's even news to me. Yeah. Going out on good terms and apparently still going to be like around the team, like even open to, you know, having a lesser role within the organization. So we'll see what that lesser role is. Obviously not going to be GM. Somebody is going to be stepping in. Is it in-house? Is it outhouse? Uh, we will see an internal candidate, outside candidate. There's two internal candidates that we've been talking about a lot. Brandon Hunt and Omar Khan. However, there's been 13 play or I must said players people that they've interviewed for this position so far and to me that's like kind of unexpected no I mean because I was kind of expecting they would interview a guy or two from the outside and we would just see Brandon Hunt named GM this is not what I was expecting at all with the not just the names that they are but the number of names that were seen be brought in for interviews yeah I think it really shows that they're doing their homework on these guys and that's a good thing to see in my opinion I, I was with you I expected them to really just interview a couple guys outside the organization, but ultimately it was going to go to either Brandon Hunt or Omar Khan, whoever it's going to be. It's not going to be Omar Khan, sadly, because uh, John Clayton said it was going to be. So <laughs> we definitely know it's not going to happen. Right? Now. Yeah, for him that stinks. Um, but-, but yeah, the fact that they've interviewed thir- 13 different people, that's kind of impressive to me, honestly. And that shows me that they're taking this very seriously. Obviously, they would. It's not that they weren't going to take it seriously. It's just not the normal way that the Steelers organization operates to do this sort of thing. So ultimately, ultimately, it may end up being Brandon Hunt or Omar Khan anyway. But the fact that they're doing this much homework on different guys is actually a really pleasing thing to see, in my opinion, as a fan. Like They're actually going out and going to try to do what's best for the organization and get the best guy possible. They're not just going to settle for a couple guys and pick out of them. Yeah. I think just for me, right. I'm still thinking like Brandon hunts, the favorite to land the job. And that's still the direction I think it goes, but I'm starting to think like, you know, does one of these guys impress them enough. Like when Mike Tomlin, became the Steelers head coach. It wasn't because he was the favorite to do so. Like he blew them away in an interview and basically forced them to hire him. Uh, does somebody have that type of impact in an interview or like somebody that they're interviewing that doesn't have um, that can move up to a higher position within the Steelers, but it's not like the GM position that they're interviewing for. You know what I mean? Like maybe they don't become the GM of the Steelers, but they move into like an assistant GM role. Like should the Steelers lose con to somebody else or like he's so, put off by not getting the GM job. Like, I don't know. There, there's so many ways that this could play out, but again, it's just, it's, it's new territory for us to talk about because Kevin Colbert's been the only GM in Steelers history. So they didn't have a GM before him. They didn't actually have somebody in that role. So there's yeah. really no precedent for how they go about that hiring process. Yeah. This is probably the off season with the most change in Steelers history. Probably. Yeah, 100%. 15 years with the same quarterback, head coach, and GM, and two of those three are changing in one offseason. So, and people that are watching this video, I'm sure a good portion of them are going to be in the YouTube comments that I always see saying, yeah, all three should be changing. So, uh, but anyway, <laughs> that's really the only thing to talk about with the Steelers. Let us know what you guys think on that topic. As always, let's transition over to talk about the Pens coming off this win against Columbus on Sunday evening. Like I said, weird six o'clock Eastern start time here. They come back. They were down two one in this game. They claw their way back. Sidney Crosby game winning goal number five oh two in his career. This recent stretch, though, I, I don't know what like we keep talking about a week in and week out. It's just like where is the secondary scoring? I know they got a goal from Chad Ruedel tonight, um, 
but like just in general watching these games it seems like it's either the top line or the power play or nobody and they've only scored more than three goals three to- this was the last game of the month for them so the penguins finished the month of february scoring more than three goals only three times this month that's just you know it's great that they have the goaltending and are playing good enough defense for them to still win games this way um because that's probably the type of hockey that we're going to be seeing more in the playoffs anyway but but where has the offense gone specifically when you look at like the bottom six yeah and i think the big key is this is not really a recipe for success. Like like the Saturday game against the Rangers, that definitely felt like a playoff game. And this low-scoring style is definitely going to have a playoff feel, and that's going to happen in the playoffs. But whenever you get blown out 6-1 to one by the New Jersey Devils, um, by, the, by the way, that's got to be the worst loss of the season. I don't even think yeah, it's Yeah, three goals in the first eight minutes. Um, yeah, it's- I think that it's not a good recipe for success to get your team in the right gear going down the stretch of the season i i think that i don't know what it's what, honestly what's wrong we 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 try to come up with things every week of what is wrong with this team whether it's individual players whether it's a guy like guy like teddy bluger missing from the bottom six like where's the scoring gone I, i'm running out of answers honestly i have no idea what's like analytically wrong with this team because i feel like that's it's more so that than it is just raw like talent it's not the raw talent we know that they have talent like what analytically is wrong with their bottom six and why are they not scoring why are they not getting in the right areas i i don't honestly understand it maybe we need to have like a guy like danny explain to us why are we in the situation that we are <laughs> uh, honestly yeah. I, I i'm i'm starting to lose like my mind looking at this team and like honestly like you said if it's not the power player the top six and really the top when i say the top six it's it's really uh, the f- top line and Malkin and, and Latang. So really just the top power play. If you're not playing on the top power play, you're not scoring really. Yeah. So if I told you there was one statistic, this isn't any, this isn't an analytical number. This isn't any underlying stuff. One like major statistic that the Penguins weren't in the top half of the league in. What do you think that is? Um, <laughs> honestly, five on five goals, but shooting percentage. Okay. They 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 put a ton of pucks on net. The penalty kill the and the power play has been good since Gino came back at the very least. They're actually not bad in the faceoff dot, or at least as bad as I thought they were going to be. They're doing a lot of things right. It's just for whatever reason they cannot find the back of the net. Like they just do not finish. There's no finish to the game right now. You look at the lineup, right? And it's like you figure you so really it's like the Gino line because Gino, like we just mentioned, is really only scoring on the power play. Five on five that he's really not doing much. Uh, the third line, though, with Carter, McGinn, and Rodriguez is really the line to me where I'm looking at like where we get we need offense here. Because mm-hmm. we know, <laughs> you look at that fourth line of Boyle, Simone, and Zach Gaston-Reese. Simone and Zach Gaston-Reese are just analytical darlings there for their defense. And Brian Boyle is what he is at this point in his career. I mean, I, I think he's exceeded expectations. But you can't expect him to be like the play driver and finisher for that fourth line. Now, mm-hmm. I think you can play one of Simone and Zach Aston Reese, and I've brought this up several times. I don't think you can have both in the lineup. And we actually got, we did get a que- another question. 
wow, I'm good. I'm glad that I brought that up because somebody actually DM'd us a question <laughs> and, and they asked us like, why is Sullivan so reluctant to pull a guy up from Wilkes-Barre to replace one of those guys in the lineup? Or even like, you know, Casper Bjorkquist is up here right now. So not even bringing up another body, but somebody that's just right now sitting in the press box. Um, I, I don't know what the answer to that is. I don't know if it's comfortability or what, because Bjorkquist is a guy that he talked highly of. We know can, can kill penalties, probably play a very similar role to his act, Aston Reese. But I, I'm thinking if anybody, it's going to be Dom Simone that they would be replacing. But Sullivan is just so comfortable with what those guys bring to the table. I think that Sullivan is looking at those guys saying their roles are defined and he's comfortable playing them. Where are where's the Casperi Kapanens and the Evan Rodriguez and Jeff Carter and Danton Heinen to provide that secondary scoring? Those are the guys that need to do that because that fourth line isn't out there to score. They're just there to, to play defense, possess the puck, get through their shifts without the other. They, they, I mean, they, they really did have like the last couple of games, especially buried teams in their own offensive zone. They're not creating any chances by doing it, but they're keeping them down in their own end of the ice. So I, I guess Sullivan just feels like they're doing their role. Where are those guys that I just brought up that aren't? And that's where I'm confused. It's like I, if their shooting percentage is low, then that's one thing. I just and like a guy every every week, Kasperi Kapanen. Even with <laughs> I actually thought though, low, I will say I thought he had a strong game against Columbus for the most part. I thought he played pretty well. Yeah, that wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. But the past two months, I I, I just I I don't get it. I I genuinely do not understand what is wrong with him. If your shooting percentage is that bad. How is it that bad for this long? <laughs> like yeah. I understand they're still they're still shooting the puck. It's just not going in. And I mean, their play sometimes is really questionable. I think sometimes Evan Rodriguez, I'm like, what are you doing? I think the same thing with Kapanen. Carter, he he just hasn't been scoring as much as we'd like him to. I, I'm just really lost at how to fix this team. I mean, maybe you do do something in the trade deadline because, like, honestly, it's like. They either have to fix it themselves because we know Sullivan's really not going to mix up the lines too much. He did a little bit the past like week or so, but then they kind of really went back to normal, and uh, nothing has really changed. I just don't. I, I don't see a lot of change from this team. They they've they've kind of shown that um, in their results in their games too. Like the previous week, they lost two out of three. This week, they er, they won two out of three. Like they're kind of just like sitting in the middle. Um, and I, I don't know how they're going to get better because they can't rely on their top players to just keep scoring and think expect to survive that way for a long period of time. Well, you brought up how Saturday's game felt a lot like a playoff game against the Rangers. Season ends right now. That's who they're playing in the playoffs, the first round, which I think would be a fantastic series. Mm-hmm. Um, but you said, you know, what do we what do we do here? And it, it kind of I want to segue this, but then come flip it right back to what we're talking about right now because one thing that has changed due to injury is Mark Friedman is now in the lineup with Mike Matheson being week to week with an upper body injury Mike Matheson had been playing phenomenal but very small sample size Mark Friedman looks like he belongs in the NHL as well um I am comfortable with what this team has in their defensemen even if you know a guy or two is on the shelf because I think that they have the depth there we're talking about like POJ's not playing right now Yuso Rito is not playing right now, and they still have Mark Friedman to step in and play when a guy like Mike Matheson is out of the lineup. Friedman was Saturday's game. I haven't seen the numbers for Sunday's game yet. Saturday's game on the ice for 12 chances for just one chance against playing with Chad Ruedel, which they were really good again on Sunday. Um, 
I, I don't know. I, I want to ask you first before I turn transition this back to the forward group. What do you make of Mark Friedman? And like, wh- what do you do? You know, say this does continue for a couple of weeks and Mike Madison's ready to get back in the lineup. Like how how do you again, the small sample size, but how do you justify if this continues being like, hey, this guy looks like he's the best defenseman at deciding when to jump up and play and get involved in the offense. He's also very sound in his own end. He's a great skater. He looks like he belongs. Yeah, it's tough. Um, I think Mark Frieden, I like him a lot. I, I like what he's done in the small sample size. But when it comes back to with Matheson coming back, with how good of a season Matheson has had as a whole, it's not like you can like really say, like, sorry, bud, like you're on the bench. This guy's playing now. And I mean, like, if you're really going to take someone out, it, it, it ought to be Pedersen off that lead side. No, like uh, out of who's been playing the best. Yeah, but see, that's the nice thing about Friedman is he offers that left right versatility that he could also play on the right side and bump somebody up, whether it's like him playing on the second pairing or bumping Rui to up. The only reason I'm saying this is I've started to see a little bit of talk about, you know, if you really want to have a valuable piece to trade, John Marino. Yeah. Yeah. His play has not picked up from where we thought it would um, after that rookie season. Like he, he looks solid, I think, to start the season. But it, I think he's been underperforming a lot. I, I think it's I, I don't know if it. I think his rookie year definitely like skewed expectations for what this guy could be, especially offensively, because I feel like Probably skewed he, his contract, too. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like at the same time. Like I, I get that for sure. I feel like at the same time, like he's taken another step defensively. He's playing in situations that he wasn't before, such as the way Sullivan relies on him in the penalty kill now and stuff. But I think we were looking at it like this is the next heir to like Chris Letang's role. And obviously with what we've seen, there's no reason to believe that's going to be the case because he doesn't offer that same offensive upside. Um, But yeah, I, I think while he's taken a step forward defensively, he hasn't taken that step offensively and is there any reason to believe he's going to? I mean, now he's not even playing on that second power play. They got Marcus Pedersen on it right now, like which that that's a curious decision in itself because you wait until Matheson's hurt to take Marino off that second power play. Bro, uh, you put but, Chad Riedel on it right now. Look at him. <laughs> he's, he's got a couple goals. He got that extension. He's got two goals in six games since. So, yeah, something to talk about there. But, yeah, I mean, could you see... Because I'm comfortable with the way that the defense is. Could you see them maybe, I'm not going to say specifically Marino, but maybe moving a defenseman? Like, is that where they find the value to try to upgrade the forward group? Like, I don't know that they're willing to part with a, they should be, by the way, a Sam Pullen or Nathan Lederay to acquire a top six forward. But is that maybe where you can find some value is, is moving out a defenseman as well because they have a surplus there? They have a surplus there. But I think only mainly at lefty. Right D is where it gets tricky because you have Friedman that can play both, but you have your starting three right D. And then after Friedman, I don't know who is going to be the right D after that. Like, say, say Friedman or any of the right defensemen get hurt. Who's going to step in after that? That's, that's my question is I, I do think there is value there in that trade. And I do think that. Like Hextall has no loyalty to John Marino. He didn't give him that contract. That was another thing that that Jim Rutherford did. So could that possibly be the case? Yeah. I'm just looking at who is going to step up on that right side. If one of those, if if we ended up did trading Marino, who's going to, who's going to play right side. 
um, if if that is the case, because I mean it's it's not really ideal to have a lefty playing on the on the right side, and then I'm looking at who's on their their minor league squad for the right side D, and and it's Joshua Maniscalco, uh, Will Riley, and Taylor Fadun, and I don't think either of those guys are ready to be at the NHL level, so I think that it would put you in a not necessarily a complicated situation, but it would put you in a very thin ice situation when it comes to that right side if you moved on from one of those guys. But they could also acquire another right-handed defenseman at the same time. Yeah, that's true. Not of the same caliber, but I'm just saying, like, if we're talking, like, you know, multiple assets going either way, separate trades, whatever the situation is, you know, they don't necessarily have to be set with just this defensive group. I'm just saying if there is some value there in in moving John Marino out to strengthen the forward group, is that something that they should look out? look at i wouldn't do it for like a rental you know i know that there's a lot of talk about some guys um like, like say a, a brock besser who's going to require a new contract immediately um if you're trading for somebody like him one that means brian rust he's got a foot out the door already might as well put both feet out the door because yeah. you're not talking extension with him anymore and immediately i think that that trade i would at least want an extension agreed upon to it, it, you know, when he's coming over in the trade, obviously that would mean giving up a trade as if he were under contract or something similar. But uh, that's that's how I would look at it is I want an extension agreed to before the trade is completed. Um, but, you know, I, I would be looking at somebody else there. To be quite honest with you. Is there another name that you can think of on the Canucks that you'd like to have? JT Miller. Yep. Instantly. The instantly, not even close. I would have loved JT Miller on the Penguins for the past five years. Um, if, if I will say trade Connor Garland is another interesting one too. He's also on the Canucks. He is a solid player. I but JT Miller, he brings something. I think the Penguins could use a lot. He's really good. He's not a rental. He has this year, and then I believe one more deal on his contract. Just because I was looking at his cap friendly the other day, um, and he he cost less than Brock Besser, I believe, at least against the cap for this season. Now, maybe that's another reason that Rust would not get another contract if you did trade for him. But if you are going to trade for a player of that level and it happens to be with the Vancouver Canucks, I would rather trade for JT Miller. Yeah, he's at uh, 5.25 next year as well. So okay. he does come with another year of control under him. Um, you know, and he's he's 28, so it's not like, you know, after next year, I mean, I, I don't know what it would look like after that. He, it would depend on how he plays, too. But it's not like this guy immediately has to be here only next year and then gone. Maybe they could work out something for him to be a penguin longer. Um, but, yeah, I, I that's who I would be targeting him, honestly, before Brock Besser acquisition cost and everything playing into that as well. And obviously, I, I think that we bring up Vancouver just because of Jim Rutherford being there. Right. I mean, I think that we yeah. look at them as like one of the teams that probably would be willing to take on. Casperi uh, cap and take another shot on him. And you know, this is where it's tough for me to really gauge what Rex Ron Hextall, I was going to say Rextall, what Ron Hextall is going to do as a GM when it comes to trade deadline time. Because last year, like they, they were kind of like holding their cards close to their chest and they weren't really going to do anything. They, they were going to stand pat with the team because the team itself 
wasn't really theirs to start with. They came in mid-season to yep. a new regime, and they they didn't really want to mess with things. And then after the season, that's when they would start to figure things out on their own, which I respect that. I just don't really know how he's going to approach the trade deadline for the Penguins because he's in a win-now mode. And as far as I'm concerned, especially like when he was on the Flyers, like Flyers could have been okay under him, but they were never in quite the win now mode that the Penguins have been and are still are in. And I don't know that he's going to uh, be like Jim Rutherford where, okay, we're in win now mode. We know our first round pick is going out the window. Who's coming to Pittsburgh? I don't think that he's going to operate like that. I and Honestly, we have no idea what he's going to be like, but even if he does do something like that, we're not going to know until it happens because he's not Jim Rutherford. He's not going to open his mouth about it. I I do think that he has to be a little more aggressive than what we thought he was going to be as a a GM. Like we we know that he is going to be a tool in rebuilding this organization and rebuilding that farm system because it's one of the worst in the National Hockey League, and I think that's good for the organization and good for the future of it, but. Who cares about the future whenever you have 87 and 71 and 58 and you're trying to win right now? Like, And yeah. so I just want to know how aggressive do you think he's going to be? I don't know how aggressive he is. I mean, like JT Miller, I would love him. I just don't know that we're going to see like a trade that would be he would be willing to give up for someone of that caliber. Yeah, it's different territory. I mean, we're talking about how different. The territory is when it comes to talk about the Steelers offseason right now, but this is kind of different territory for Ron Hextall um, because we just we don't know how he's going to operate with a team that's literally like they're ready to go. And two of their three core, if you will, like guys that have been here forever and Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang are free agents at the end of the season. And, you know, the future is kind of up in the air there. So I think that this is a very different team than he's ever been the GM of. I know that he's always been about, you know, assets, not trading them away, hanging on to those draft picks are more valuable to him than most GMs around the league. But he's also never had a team like this. And I would like to think that, like, you know, there'd be some influence there from the players that have the the tenure of Sidney Crosby, of Denny Malkin, Chris Letang to be like, hey, like, I, I know that, you know, you're you hope to be the GM here. You need to start retooling and you know, getting making sure the cupboard's not bare after us, but we got we still got some life here. We want another shot to win a cup. Let's go. I, I don't want to say all in, but I, I think that they have to be willing to part. If, if that's what you're asking me, I think that they have to be willing to part with that first round pick. And I think that it's not necessarily not even just, just the first round school. pick. I think they have to be willing to part with Sam Pullen, Nathan Legare, like whoever I don't even, it is. Yeah. I don't. I don't think there's any. Their top prospect, prospect would be like the number five for most teams. I, I mean, they need. Just, I, I mean, would you be willing to move on from like POJ? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't I, think I, there's I've, anybody in this organization from like the prospect level, at least, that I would be like, no, we cannot trade this guy. We don't have. I one put of those. POJ in a in a mock trade recently. It was actually, oh, really? I know that I mentioned like the whole JT Miller, Brock Besser thing, but yeah. assuming that they had an extension agreed upon with Brock Besser, I said I would trade a first round pick POJ and Kasperi Kapanen. Go for it. There's no one in this organization at that level that I would be like, no, I'm re- I'm reserved. I don't want to get rid of them. No one. I, I think the 
the shelves are completely open for sale. When is, and when is do PJ whatever you can play to win. if he stays here? I don't know because th- that's the thing. The only way that he's going to play is if Mike Matheson or Marcus Pedersen are gone. That that's the only way he plays. And like Matheson, like you mentioned, why? Why would he? Why would you? And, and Pedersen's been fine too. I mean, neither one of those guys are doing anything to be taken out of the lineup. Or uh, yeah, it would have to be something where it's like you feel like we should trade him, Matheson. I, I guess you can make the case for like, you know, if he was healthy right now, selling high, I don't think that they would do it right now. They'd probably wait until mm-hmm. the off season to do so, but it's to be the same conversation. I think after the year that we had before this year, where it's like, you got, you got to move one of those two to open up a spot for POJ. And I, I my answer to that would be, why don't you move PO, POJ right now well, to get well, a top six forward and go for a that's, cup? That's what I'm thinking. Because yeah. now, now you're talking me into trading POJ right now. Because that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> what I, I'm I'm relating him to Yuso Rikula, except he has a lot more talent than Yuso Rikula. He's a lot more valuable of a trade chip than Yuso Rikula. Because with Yuso Rikula, like I don't I don't mind the player at all. I'm just like, what's he doing here? He doesn't play. He sits in the press box all the time. He's not even playing in Wilkesbury, which POJ is not doing right now. Like, what value does he add to your NHL NHL team right now? He doesn't really have any, and that's the same thing yeah. that POJ is going through right now. Until something happens on that left side, say an injury or something, but even then, Friedman came in and played. Yeah. So that not not even to say that I injury. wonder you is have to POJ have, even the next guy or is yeah it you have to have two, you have to have two at least two injuries on that left side for him to play, and he's. I mean, maybe your best prospect, if you want to call him that, mm-hmm. you might as well look for a suitor for him. Other than otherwise, you're going to have to trade at least one player to make room for him because he's not going to play. If Marcus Pedersen and Mike Matheson and Brian Dumoulin are all on the Penguins, POJ is not going to play. So trade. Yeah, him. You don't want you don't want to get you, to you, you convince like- me. Trade him. <laughs> You don't want it to get to a point where, like, I don't know how many pirate fans are still hanging around or how many pirate fans even exist. Um, but look how many times that, like, we coveted these prospects and they came out up here like they would have had value as prospects. But then they actually played and had no, like, an Alan Hansen. Like, the pirates could have capitalized on his prospect status at some point, probably, and gotten something for him, but they didn't. Tyler Glass now. And then, yeah, Glass, I mean, Glass now could have been a huge trade chip for them like prior to when they actually did trade him for chris archer um but man oh, I just yeah i just i don't want i don't want poj um to end up falling into something similar that i don't know why that was the comparison i went to was with the pirates but i'm sure there's way better comparisons and maybe even some with the with the penguins themselves uh maybe a Derek pouliot yeah or something i don't know yeah that's a stunk yeah I just don't want it to to fall into that. Like while the guy still does have value and and has some prospect status, I, I would be completely open to moving him at this trade deadline for sure, because this team I think does need a top six forward. Um, Yeah. Needless needless to say, if nothing, like if nothing changes play wise, even if it does, they probably could use somebody. Yeah. But if it doesn't, then they they definitely need to do something. I actually like what I've seen from a chemistry standpoint from Gino and Heinen. I think that if they can get like a top six guy for that right wing, because I don't want it to be, I, I don't want it to be Carter. I don't think, I, I don't know how that would work out. I think you'd be putting a lot of pressure on Heinen from a defensive standpoint to make up for those two. Um, I don't know. Like, I think, 
I think like a, I just brought up along with JT Miller from Vancouver and along with Brock Besser, a Connor Darling. Like if, if he's out there, if Vancouver is looking to move him, I think he would make a ton of sense to play yeah, that second. And, right and like for me, Brian Boyle well, has done move well. Rust and have somebody in thought. True. But Brian Boyle, also, this is a completely, it's similar, but it sounds like it's a completely twist. But Brian Boyle has done well for the team, but come playoff time, I feel like I would be much more comfortable if, at least, especially if all gears are turning, if you've got Sid Gino Carter and, uh, or, or Carter or Rodriguez on the third line and then Bluger mantling that fourth line instead of Boyle on that fourth line. I mean, he's done well overall yeah. for the Penguins. It's not bad for a tryout, but, I just think yeah, and playoff still time, be there I, would, as, I would feel better with that in the lineup. Yeah, he'd still be there as like a 13th forward, if you will. Like, Plus, I mean, you know, at his age and everything like that, it's, you know, the grind of the season. Who knows what he's even going to have left in the tank come playoff time. So we'll see. But Penguins are never healthy, so all the bodies we can get. But right now, there's just there's something lacking there in that middle and bottom. Um Yep, but they get a little bit of rest this week. Um, they don't play till Thursday. However, the rest is not going to be short-lived because they play two of the best teams in the National Hockey League back-to-back. They play Tampa Bay Lightning on Thursday and Carolina Hurricanes on Friday, both on the road. Both on the road. So it doesn't get any easier for our Penguins. How do you even, if you're Sullivan, decide which goalie is playing which one? Like, <laughs> Does it even matter? Like. How do you decide he, who's playing which one? I mean, I feel like he never really has a decision. He knows he's going to play Jordan. Well, you know what? Carolina also plays Thursday, Friday. So maybe they go based off what Carolina does. I don't know. Carolina plays Washington Thursday. So maybe, like, if you know that yeah. their starter, if Freddie Anderson's playing there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like, I know he's always stuck with the you play Actually, the starter first the and then the backup too, so. second. However, I feel like. Personally, I would put DeSmith first and then Jari second because Carolina, to me, is the more important game because it's a divisional game. Mm, that does make sense. I thought you were going to say, because then you know like what, what result you need for the second one. Like, hey, should you win? Great. I don't want to say it's like you know house money if you win the second one. But if you win that first one, you feel a lot better about the second one, I think. Regardless yeah. of if you win or lose. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It'll be, It'll be another tough week, though. Yeah, it should be fun to talk about next. It should be tough, but it's going to be fun. This is this is you know why you're a fan of the game. A lot of really we hope good it's games fun. Coming up. We hope it's Most not six their, to one to the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. Most of their remaining games are against playoff teams, by the way. So, yeah, Saturday was the first time they played the Rangers. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I, a lot I like of the Rangers down the stretch. I like had to think back and was like, wow, that's true. Yeah. See a lot of them coming up, though. All right. Well, uh. If nothing else, I think we can get out of here. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Once again, big shout out to Drew Palmer for winning the Crosby jersey. Uh, you can get in touch with us. If you don't, within like 48 hours, I'll reach out to you. I, I think I think I know your Twitter handle. If not, I'll, I'll get in touch with you somehow. Um, but other than that, just want to remind everybody, if you are watching on YouTube, you know this because you're here right now or you're watching this back. But every Monday at 2 p.m. is when this premiere happens. 
but there's premieres of the shows throughout the week as well. Be sure to check those out. Be sure to listen to them on whatever platform. You got DK's Daily Shots as well, as well as all the player interviews and coaching availability, all that good stuff on the channel. You don't need anywhere else besides DK Pittsburgh Sports YouTube channel. So be sure to subscribe, leave us a like, leave us a comment, all that good stuff. For Smitty, for Tyler, this is Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network, and we will talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.